Okay, let's turn to John chapter 5, where our our Bible reading was from this morning. Uh, Good to see you in church. Thank you, Pastor, for the honor of uh, allowing me to preach here on Sunday morning. Uh, And uh, I I don't treat it lightly. Uh, Trust you had a good morning. It's good to be in church, to uh, honor the Lord. I was thinking when when this this song was on... uh, you know, I was just uh, meditating, perhaps because of my reading sort of took me historically back to the times of Jesus uh, a little bit as I, this morning. But I was meditating on the fact we've come 2,000 years uh, since Jesus uh, was here and still uh, people are standing here singing his praises. And uh, I sat in there as I listened to that and all I could, all I could say to myself was, Worthy, 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 you're worthy. And he's deserving of that praise. And, uh, and God, truly, God has bestowed upon him great glory uh, that this just continues. And, and I'm glad that we haven't failed to uh, render to him the worship that he rightfully deserves. And I pray that we'll be found this way up until the rapture. Uh, that when, <clears throat> when we're gone, well, that's God's timing and uh, there'll be praise in heaven as there is now. But it's so important that on earth we just continue to uh, recognise him and uh, praise him and proclaim him. And uh, even if it's becoming less and less doing that, uh, well, let's, let's not let that affect us. We, we need to continue to, to be faithful. I'm glad to be here today. Glad to be in this church today. I've not been critical of anyone else, but I, I drove here today. I did look around a little bit as I came in. And I'm just thankful for, uh, for uh, the opportunity to be in a church where the Word of God will be preached. And uh, to the best of our ability, the emphasis will be on God, His Word. Uh, we want to give the Holy Spirit liberty to, to just work amongst us. I'm, I'm glad the Holy Spirit is here today. Uh, a lot of Christians, uh, well, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. But uh, I think not everybody knows the Holy Spirit well. Uh, I, I think you have to get to know the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and I don't think we readily, readily do that. We're, we're not good at acknowledging things that we don't see. And so when we don't sort of see, see him, uh, though, he, though he's there, uh, we, we don't always uh, understand him or connect in the way that, that we should. But uh, the Holy Spirit is here and uh, we pray this morning that he'll speak to, uh, to each of us. Uh, we may not have any need today. It, uh, probably a lot do, but there may be some today who there's no pressing need in your life, uh, but uh, you've come here to worship God. So my prayer for you would be you'd be strengthened, that you'd just be strong when you go out, that this would strengthen you to, uh, to do the work of the Lord. Okay, John chapter number five, I had, a, I had a tumultuous morning. I had a tumultuous night. Every preacher will tell you Saturday night's a rough night. And I won't tell you what happened last night, but it was a tumultuous evening. And uh, then this morning was very, very, uh, uh, I'm going to just say, kind of felt disturbed. It felt like something was disturbing the morning before I even got to church. I don't know if you've ever had a morning like that, particularly when you're coming to church. I finally did get here, got down the back and realised my fly was undone. So I'd slipped my suit on in, uh, in all the, uh, the upheaval of the morning 
and uh, come to church. Fortunately, I hadn't been anywhere else. And it's probably better I found it down there than up here, right? <laughs> and uh, so that was, you know, uh, and so anyway, I, I fixed that up. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, I was sitting, I went in to pray with Pastor for the, for the, uh, for the, morning, uh, for the morning prayer time. And I'd opened my Bible to review my notes and I didn't have any. I'd left them at home. I've never done that in my life. Uh, you'd think I'm celebrating the milestone birthday <laughs> by, uh, by some of that. All right, uh, John chapter 5. This is a story. Thank you for the reading. This is a story about a man that Jesus healed. It's a true story. And I try to remind myself of that. I, I don't want Bible stories to fall into, uh, in my mind, that these were somehow fictitious accounts or or things that, uh, you know, I, I want to remind myself these were real people, real names, real places. And, uh, and uh, as I meditate on this, and this is a story about a man who uh, had a condition for 38 years. And uh, I rejoice in that. Uh, uh, I don't rejoice in, in the fact that he was, uh, had that condition, but, but the fact that he had it for so long gives me great hope that Jesus can help people who've had long-standing problems. Because uh, sometimes uh, I know I look at things and I certainly don't have the answers. Uh, I, I, I can exhaust the best of my wisdom and, uh, and sometimes I'll even prevail in prayer. Uh, and I just don't have the answers. But I'm, I'm glad for accounts like this where someone who could have a condition for 38 years... Uh, can find a new life, a new beginning, and new hope in Christ. And it reminds me that's available for everybody. It reminds me that you don't get too old or too set in your ways, or you don't get to a place where you are beyond hope as long as there is the Lord. And uh, so this uh, man who had the condition uh, would find himself in somewhat of a daily ritual where he would go to the... Uh, uh, the, uh, the, the pool, the, the gate, and he would lay there with lots of other people who also had all kinds of conditions. And uh, it's interesting that on two occasions here, it wasn't even so much that he was seeking Christ, but twice here Jesus finds him. And it's marvellous, and, and, uh, and I, don't, I can't never understand the balance, really. I, I know the Bible says that whosoever... Uh, uh, you know, will call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. I know the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come under repentance. And I, so there's an invitation broad and wide to uh, whosoever will come. But beyond that, there is the working of God that I don't understand. Uh, I don't think a natural man in his natural sinful condition is given to seeking God. But uh, the mercies of God find us and certainly found you and, uh, and something in us, uh, uh, you know, leads us to him. And two occasions here, Jesus comes to this man. Uh, he has a condition. Now, uh, I'm going to look at some things about this and, and I, I, don't, I think this will be brief and simple this morning. Uh, but uh, something I would just have you maybe consider, there seems to be a link between his condition and maybe his sin. And uh, that's not always there. Uh, you'll remember that uh, when the disciples said about the blind man, uh, they said to Jesus, it was this, this man born blind 
because of his sin or was it his parents' sin? Did, did his mother and father sin and this was their affliction, that they had a blind child? And Jesus said about that particular case, it was neither of those things, uh, but it was that the glory of God would be manifested. So it's not every time, but uh, Pastor Jemish, why would you draw the connection there? Well, I, I just think if you see, and we didn't read it all, in verse 14, uh, when Jesus found him after the healing and uh, finds him in the temple, he said, uh, Behold, thou art made whole. By the way, only a priest could do that. So if you were a leper and you were healed, the confirmation of your healing had to be done by the priest. You had to represent yourself, who, the priest who would examine you, and only he could say, okay, now you're whole, now you're healed. So it's not coincidental that, uh, that this occurs in the temple, and uh, Jesus, who, offered, uh, who uh, was in the office of prophet, priest, and king, he was all of those things. So he, <clears throat> he declares the man whole in verse 14. But see what he says after. He says, sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. So, so there seems to be a connection there. Uh, and if there isn't a connection, there's at least a warning. Uh, don't, don't, don't sin. Don't, don't, get, uh, don't, don't seek out sin again because uh, it could be worse for you be worse for you. Now, the marvel of all of that was what was said in verse 14 was not said in the first nine verses. So Jesus never approached a sinner condemning them about their sin. He always offered hope and then he warned them, don't go back to your old ways. Remember the, remember the woman he healed who was at his feet and, and he says, where are thine accusers? You know, the one who was caught in adultery and she said, uh, they're, they're gone. And he said, neither do I accuse you. Go thy way and sin no more. But he didn't say that in the beginning. And that's very God. Because God looks at us and he knows you already are a sinner. It's like we look at our children and just know you just, you're naughty. And uh, you still love your kids. You know, it doesn't, it, doesn't affect your, it doesn't affect the way you look at your kids because they've been a naughty. You, you have a great ability to love beyond their failures. You have a great ability to love beyond their behaviours. And so when God looks at us, it's marvel of marvel, but he didn't say in the beginning about that, but, but he does refer to it after. So here's a man, he has a condition, he's lying there, and in verse number six, a question is asked, and as Pastor and others have said uh, through the years, Jesus never asked a question because he needed to know the answer. So being God in the flesh, omnipotent uh, and all-knowing, and uh, he didn't have to ask because he didn't know. If Jesus asked a question, it was for you to consider the question or it was for those around to consider the question, but it wasn't through a lack of knowledge on his side. Does that make clear? So any time you see that, if you go through and look at the questions that God asks, it's not because uh, he didn't know the answer. Go right back to Genesis. When uh, Adam sinned, God said to Adam, where art thou? Where are, not that God couldn't find him, but he wanted Adam to think about where are you and how did you get here? And now look what's happened to you. And uh, so, so the question in verse number six <clears throat> that Jesus asked when he walks up to that man, by the way, one, 
one out of the group. Why that one? I don't know. Why you? I don't know. Why you? I don't know. Why, why, you sit, why are you sitting here this morning and not your neighbour? Why you? I don't know. Why, why am I here today and not some of the other kids that grew up in Brackenridge? I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of things like that I don't know. But I'm grateful. I'm glad to be here. I'm thankful for God uh, uh, intervening in my life. Uh, I, uh, don't say life's always been easy, but it would have been worse without Christ. That's for sure. I remind myself of that. I remind myself when it's hard and my mind goes back to, well, you know, it's just, it's just been really tough. I remind myself how much worse it would have been uh, if I didn't have Jesus. And if you doubt that, you should just look around at some of your friends. You should look around at some of the people you went to school with and see where they are now. You should just have a think about that and realise how much God has done for you. Uh, and so uh, Jesus goes to that man in verse number six and he asks him this question, "Wilt thou be made whole? Now you might wonder about a question like that. Why would you ask someone who's had an inf- uh, a condition for 38 years, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made whole? And uh, it seems strange, but, but it, it's deliberate. And, uh, and I, I just want to say that not everybody who has a condition, wants to be free of it. Not everybody who says they want to be free of it wants to be free of it. Because what happens is sometimes we allow our conditions to define who we are. And if you live with something long enough, and you allow it to define who you are, then to somehow consider life without that, you start to think, well, I don't know who I'd be. Or, uh, or I couldn't imagine myself being different to this. And, uh, and uh, it shouldn't be that way. Our conditions certainly affect us. And uh, we don't want to say they don't. You, if, you had a, if you had a troublesome, you know, if you had a difficult upbringing in your home, uh, if you went through some things in your home that really affected you as a child or after, or you had a difficult period of uh, marriage, I often think about my mother and, uh, and, uh, and her, her present condition. And, uh, and when I think about all that, all that she went through, it's really not surprising. She's, she bears the effects of that. So we're not minimising or in any way uh, diminishing uh, the, uh, the difficulty, the pain, the the ongoing effects of having a, a serious condition, whatever, however it came, physical, a mental, something of the soul, your feelings, your inner being. We're not minimising that. Their conditions certainly affect us, but they shouldn't necessarily define us. And there's the difference. Our conditions affect us, but they shouldn't necessarily define us. You are more than what you may be suffering. You're, like, you're, you're bigger than, you're more than that. You know, it's an infirmity, not an identity. And we've got to be able to understand that. And I think when Jesus was asking him here, uh, wilt thou be made whole? 
he was challenging those notions. You know, do you see this as an infirmity or an identity? If God really would change you, would you want to be changed? Would you, would you, if, 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 if there was a way, would you want the way? And uh, everybody might just say, well, of course, but not everybody does. Have you noticed today that uh, in our time, uh, maybe more than any other time, uh, we keep inventing new medical names for conditions? Have you noticed that? And, uh, and it's a great moment of triumph when a sufferer can get a medical name, when you can get to the point where they call it something. Because somehow when they finally call it something, uh, you, you feel affirmed in your condition. You, you, but here's the danger with that. When they call it something and, and you accept that, then you also accept the limitations that that places on you with your future. Does that make sense? So, so what happens is kids used to just be naughty at school. All right. I, I don't know what happened to all the kids I went to school with who never had any of the half a dozen names, the medical conditions that are now prominent in our classrooms today. I, 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 don't, I don't know how we ever got by. I don't know how we ever got by with teachers who never understood uh, the, 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 the deep need and the medical condition of the kids in the school. And I'm not, I'm not mocking. It could also be that modern life has brought about a few new conditions. That, that truly could be as well. And I'm not, I'm not being uh, insensitive to that, but I'm just saying it's not helpful. It's really not helpful uh, for you to be seeking out. If you, if you, here's the marvellous thing. Here's a Bible truth. If you seek, you will find. And if you, keep, if you keep jumping from doctors, if you keep Googling enough, uh, if, you, if you keep pursuing it enough, you'll finally find a name to attach to your condition. Now, you might think that's a win, but it's also very dangerous. Because at that point, your condition has definition, according to whoever you know, decided that, and then can come great limitations with that. So you start saying, I can't because I'm this. Or you do this. No, no, my child can't because of this. Yeah, but, but they can't. But what if they can? Or what if it's even true, but they still can? And there's a great danger. You see, at the, at the heart of this is that we, we, have, we have gotten used to science in all its uh, faculties telling us who we are. We've accepted the notion that, that, that there are higher powers than us, not Jesus, but, but higher intellectual powers who know us more than we know ourselves and they tell us who we are and they explain to us our behaviours. And they explain to us our behaviours based on where we came from. And they don't believe that we came, we were created in the image of God. They believe that we evolved. And so many of our actions are simply outworkings of a primitive life and, and the days when we had to do such and such and such. Have you heard them talk that way? And all the time they're doing that, they're shaping you. And they're telling you who you are. And so you've got to think about that and really decide who defines you. Who, 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 who tells you who you are? 
And then you've got to go back a step before that and say, who tells you where you came from? What your origins are? See, see, see I, I even heard a fellow argue, he was so uh, uh, arguing in favour of you know, evolution. He said evolution explains everything. He said it, it is, he said it is the theory or the truth in his mind that explains everything. I remember where I was, I was in Sydney, I, I picked up a hire car, I was driving to Canberra through the night, I had talkback radio on, and, uh, and listening to this fellow and the, 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 uh, the interviewer on the radio, it was probably ABC something, the interviewer on the radio said, look, I, I, I mostly accept that. He said, but how does evolution explain love? And, uh, and I thought it was a good question, but the fellow had a good answer. It was the wrong one, but he had one. He said, well, he said, you know, we call it love, but really it's just the selfish, it's just the selfish uh, outworking of reproducing ourselves. So we just love our children, but really that's just so our genes can be advanced, so we can replicate ourselves. It's protection of the species. That's what he said. And uh, he said, that's, that's what that is. And, and you know, if, if you, if you, you can accept all that. You can accept that. You have to decide who tells you who you are. Because that's going to affect a lot of things you do. There are Christians who have Jesus, but not much else of the Bible. So they, they have Jesus to get to heaven. They've got their bus ticket. But beyond that, the rest of the journey is decided by their fellow passengers or, or uh, whoever else. You know what I'm saying? They haven't accepted the notion, no, no, you came from God. This is who you are. No, no, I know the world is saying that, but God is saying this. And, uh, and, uh, and sometimes we, we, we just get caught up in things and, <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, it makes its way down the line to our children. And, uh, and uh, you know, we, we, we start telling our kids the same narratives. And our children begin to believe like we do. And we end up with people with limitations and uh, a tragic loss of hope in, the, in their own future, what they can be. Uh, we dismiss laziness sometimes with just other terminologies. Uh, there aren't drunks anymore. It's alcoholism. And that's just how we are. We've done a great job at covering up and redefining everything that God had previously said. And can you see that it hasn't stopped? Now we're going to redefine our colonial history. Now, now Captain Cook's going to be a bad guy. And uh, now, 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 again, and you see, there's no end to this. Men are on a tragic downward spiral. And there's no end to all of this. Because when you throw God out of the picture, you don't know who you are anymore. You know, I, I, have, I have indigenous blood. So, so I just will say that before I'm about to say what I'm about to say. So my grandmother... On my father's side, if you see a picture of my father when he was 17, you, you would think he's 100% Aboriginal. My grandmother, uh, my grandmother's mother, uh, my sister, who is my sister, uh, is uh, recognised as being Indigenous. Uh, so, so I have that in my blood. 
you know, I don't think it helps, my opinion, I don't think it helps Indigenous people to keep hearing that they're victims. I, I, I don't think it helps them to, ki- to keep living somewhere that they weren't even born, like 200 years ago. And, and you know, we've, we've, there's been some whoppers told. How many times have you heard 65,000 years of history? used to be 45, but we, 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 blow the, we blow the millenniums like they're nothing. A bit like, it was a bit like the millions, you know. We just, we just drop them in like they're nothing. I don't think that's helped anyone. I don't think it's helped anyone. And there's a real move to just redefine everything. And, and you've got to be careful because you can start listening to the wrong people tell you, well, but you know, you have this condition or you're this or you're a child of this. And I'm, I'm, I'm not somebody who would be in the category that, that nobody can help you and the doctor can't help you. No, I... Uh, Jesus said we have physicians, they're, they're given to us and I'm for them, uh, but I just don't believe they have all wisdom and I want to be careful. So Jesus says to this man, this man, wilt thou be made whole? That's a good question. Would, would you want to be different if you could? What if, what if that infirmity that has become your identity was taken away. Who would you be? Who would you be if you couldn't keep defaulting back to that? God has an incredible ability to penetrate us and to just to really penetrate us. And he says to that man, will thou be made whole? Sometimes when you start thinking your infirmity is your identity, the second thing you do is, uh, if you see in verse number three, you find people like yourself. And uh, where was this man found? He was found around people like him. You know, when you get around people like yourself, it just reinforces the narrative, doesn't it? When you, when you, when you hang out with folks who think like you do and, and folks who maybe share your condition uh, and you all tell yourself the same stories... Uh, it just reinforces the whole narrative, whether it's true or not. But enough people keep telling you that, and that's where you, you spend all your time and you hang out with those people. The conversations are all about that. Uh, that's, you just start to believe it's gospel truth, and it may be completely untrue. And you've never heard an alternative point of view. You've never sat down and had a reasoned discussion. And part of people who've drawn false conclusions and found identity in them is they like to silence any other opinion. And so if there is any contrary to opinion, uh, they don't say that that's an alternative thought. They say that's a personal attack. And the whole culture's gone that way, have you noticed? We're not allowed to speak about things anymore or uh, even in a tempered, measured, loving, compassionate way suggests that perhaps this would be a view worth considering. That's not allowed anymore. And all of that's fine and people might feel like they're winning but they're losing because they're all sitting around the pool, everybody on their little mat, talking about the condition they were born unto and why it can never be any different. And actually Christ offers something better than that. Christ, I, We have a boy in Thailand... Uh, I don't think he'll be live streaming. 
his name's Selly. And I found Selly years ago uh, in Bangkok, and I, I, I think he was... Uh, I think he was suicidal. I think it was serious. Uh, he'd been through a breakup. He was drinking every day. Every time you got around him, his breath stank of alcohol. You could always tell. He'd talk and you'd hope no one would light a match or you're all going to go up. And it was that strong. And, uh, and he just had a miserable life. And anyway, he, he kind of found his way to, to us and came to us up in Nakhonsawan and uh, received Christ. And he began to change. But You know, he just reached a point after a few years, probably as a Christian, uh, where he just feels like he's gone as far as he can go. And he has some things that he believes he can't let go of. Now, I think he can, but he doesn't think he can. And so, so what he's done, he said, this is about as far as I can go. And whenever you talk to him about that, just in a really simple sort of Thai way, he just says, well, you know, Pastor, this is just who I am. And you say, who is he? Well, he's, 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 he's from a working class area in the northeast. I don't want to say lower class, but sort of working class. And uh, his area is very anti-government. Anti- Everybody's been against them. It's the government's fault that they're oppressed and downtrodden. And he's just bought into a narrative that has capped him. And, he, and he's believed it. And somehow his narrative doesn't allow for a powerful God to come in who can change that. But I wonder how many all of us have bought into those narratives. I wonder how many of us, all of us have bought into these stories where we think, okay, that's it. Uh, wilt thou be made whole? And then I want you to see that time is no barrier to God's working. Uh, 38 years is a long time. You know, the only people who change after 38 years are the people who want to. The hardest thing regarding change after 38 years is having the want. Most people surrendered and put up the white flag a long time ago. So it was a good question. Wilt thou be made whole? Really, will thou be made whole? My father, uh, my mum told me, my father's dead now, my mother told me years ago when we were uh, here at the church, we, we didn't have the baptismal tank here. Many of you will remember. Now I remember in the early, early days when we baptised someone we had to walk down to the creek. Some of you will remember that. So we'd all walk single file. Or there, you, know, you know, The sheep would wander down to the creek and uh, we'd stand there and someone would get down into the creek and they'd baptise down in the creek. And then after a while we got you know, a grown-up church and we got civilised and so we used the neighbour's swimming pool. You remember that? And uh, we still use a swimming pool in Thailand. We, use a pub- we, we did that because where we used to baptise... I went down there to baptise a group again and there was two four-metre crocodiles lying on the bank. And I realised I'd been baptising where these crocodiles called home and uh, it explained the disturbing feeling I had in my spirit. Truthfully, when I would go out there and I used to ask people to pray. Can you just pray for safety? And, uh, And I just felt a bit disturbed anyway. So 
going down there again, the crocodiles were there, so, so no, no, we're not going to do that anymore. So we, we use a public swimming pool, which has lots of little Thai kids jumping in it, doing dive bombs, and, and uh, as you can imagine, it's pretty run down, and you know, that's where we're baptised now. But uh, we used to use the neighbour's swimming pool uh, over there, and so I remember uh, I, Justin was being baptised, and, uh, and I asked my mother and father to come to church, because, you know, being the grandchild, would you like to come to church, Justin's being baptised? And I think they felt sort of a bit obligated, you know, as grandparents do. Oh, yeah, 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 no, we'd, we'd love to. And uh, so uh, <laughs> they, uh, they, came to the, uh, they came to the church, and I think my father sat fairly close to the front. Uh, and, uh, and he never said much, you know, Dad would have been quite uncomfortable in church. I don't know all he was thinking. I might have been able to guess a little bit. Anyway, then we walked over to the pool and everybody gathered around the swimming pool and I got in the pool and I don't know how many I baptised that day and, and, uh, but Justin was one of them and so, you know, I don't know, had lunch with mum and dad. They went home. We had church here again in the evening. Uh, next day or so, I was talking to my mother on the phone and uh, <clears throat> my mother said to me, uh, she said, you know, your father said something really strange last night. And I said, oh, okay. I said, what, what did he say? She said, well, he was sitting at his chair. My dad would sit at a table it was t- where it was chairs and he'd sit there with a, you know, a bottle of beer. That was a pattern. And he'd drink at his chair. Mum would be sitting over on maybe in the lounge room, but they could see each other. And uh, <clears throat> she, said, uh, she said, he said something strange. I said, well, what did he say? And she said, well, he, he was sitting there drinking. And, and, and I said, mm. And she said, uh, he said, because uh, my dad didn't talk much. And uh, he said, I'm glad when Justin was baptised, I had my sunglasses on. And my mum sort of thought, you know, she, she, that's a bit weird. And she said, uh, what does that mean, Lloyd? What's that mean? What did you say that for? And my dad said, oh, well, I, you know, I, I was crying. I didn't want anyone to see. And my dad never, never saw much of that, never talked that way. My dad was a strong union man, blue collar, drink, you know. And my mum said, she didn't understand what to make of that. She said, what do, you, what do you mean you were crying? What's, what's that mean? That's how she talked me. And he said, well, uh, he said, when I saw Justin being baptised, I wish that could have been me. And that's all he said. And my mum said, oh, well, Lloyd, it's not too late for you. And, you know, she, uh, but my dad actually believed it was too late. My dad actually believed that that, that, that that couldn't work for him, that he'd gone beyond that. Maybe some of your parents or family, you might be able to relate to that a bit. But he just believed it was too late. So I'm glad when I read that people had conditions for 38 years and it wasn't too late. That, that Jesus could meet someone at that long period of life who'd lived life their way in their infirmity and perhaps because of some sin, 
for, for 38 years. It's never too late for Christ to come to you. It's never, it's never too late for Jesus to come. I, one of my most favourite passages in John chapter 11 is verse number 30. John chapter 11 is the passage where Lazarus dies and Jesus is going to come and raise him from the dead. And Jesus is making his way to Bethany. And, you know, before he even gets there, the sisters go to him one by one and they both accuse him. And they say, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And he goes through that two times. They didn't even come together. They come one at a time. But, but in John chapter 11, verse 30, there's a really beautiful verse here. It's just a little phrase. And here's what it says. But Jesus had not yet come into the town. You know what that means? When he got into the town, everything was about to change. But he just hadn't got there yet. He was being accused, but he's on his way. And I want to tell you this morning that when Jesus gets to town, everything changes. I, I, want, I want to tell you, don't, 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 get, don't get too despondent yet. Jesus has not yet come into the town. But when he gets there, everything can change. It doesn't matter what your condition is. I don't know what's worse, being 38 years in the condition or being dead for four days. Probably dead. But, uh, but uh, when he gets there, things can change. You, it's not too late for you. It's not too late for your family. It's not, it's not you haven't, you, you, it isn't die, cast, set, unmovable, unchangeable. It's not that way. And you need to decide whose narrative you're listening to <coughs> and whether you, whether you believe God. It's never too late. And then we'll conclude by seeing that this man did get his healing after 38 years. And what have you got to do to get your healing? Well, number one, you have to look beyond, beyond what the best men can do for you. Uh, verse number seven, you know, he said, uh, you know, I don't have anyone to put me in the pool when the angel comes. You know, the whole problem with that is it's, it's, it was reliant on other people and that's not reliable. And it was reliant on a season. It just said at a certain season. You know, when you have Christ, he's good in season, out of season. You, know, you don't have to wait for the season of healing. You, know, you don't have to wait for the season of salvation. You, you can't say, well, I'm out of season. You're not out of season. Jesus is always available. And, uh, and uh, so you've got to get beyond that, you know. So Jesus said, would thou be made whole? Well, you see, you've got to understand, Jesus. Uh, it's, you know, I've, boy, I've, I've asked everyone. I'll tell you, I've, I've looked into everything and I just don't have anyone to help me. Well, if you're going to cap yourself, if you're going to stop at the best men can do for you, that's a God exclusion zone. And, and that's not what you want. Thank God... I'm not living life just on what the best another man can do for me. But there are a whole lot of people who are. If I could just find that doctor, what if he's not there? If I, if I could just, if somebody just helped me, what if they're not there? What, what if you're in a situation where people, they can't do it? I'm, I'm really glad, to me that'd be hopeless if there was no God. 
But I'm so glad today that, that, that there's something beyond the best men can do. I'm grateful for what people do. I'm not, I'm not opposed to doctors of about every persuasion. I'm not opposed. Uh, uh, if that helps you, I thank God for that. That's God's blessing in your life. But I'm talking about the fact if you're saying that you, this is as far as you can go, you can't be any better than this because of people reasons, you've just capped yourself. And you've got to stop saying, but I have no man. It's not nice when you feel like you have no man. Pastor talked a little bit about loneliness and it is true, all that he said. It's not a good feeling. But God is offering us a help beyond that. Beyond that. God, God is not limited like men are limited. God, God never met a problem where he said, mm, that one's got me. I said, I don't know what we're going to do. Anyone got any ideas? God's never done that. God, God's beyond that. God, God, never, God never found a problem where he said, look, I know what to do, but I just don't have the power to do it. God, God never had to say that. And let's, 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 invig- let's reinvigorate ourselves with the hope of the scriptures. Let's, let's remember our Christ is not dead. Let's remember that these things are here for us, for our learning. And uh, he said, I have no man. Well, you've got to get beyond, you've got to get beyond people and seasons. And, and number two, you have to listen to Jesus' words. And here they are in verse 8. Uh, Jesus saith unto him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. You know, you have to choose the narrative of your life. You either got to decide that you're going to listen to God's words or you're going to listen to men's words. And by the way, I don't want you saying that to someone else where you give them a scripture, like a stick, and tell them they just need to listen. But we should say to ourselves, God defines the narrative here. Not, 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 not people. I choose to listen to God's words, not the ABC. You know, not, not some of the other stuff. I'm sorry, I'm sorry that the collective majority of Australians don't know any better than, they all, than, than, than what they do. Uh, I, I'm sorry that, that we're in a complete and utter leadership crisis. I'm sorry that we're on the Titanic. You know, but you and I weren't the captain. Okay? And if they'd listened, we mightn't have got here. But it is what it is. But at least for us, let's listen to God's words. How about, how about the Lord tells you who you are? How about, how about the Lord tells you what, what the limits are? Not, not people. Okay? We've, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And then and you listen to Jesus' words and then uh, lastly, you have to take up your bed and walk. Now, that didn't mean that he used to go out there every day with a queen-size ensemble. All right? That's not what happened. But when we think of a bed, that's what we think of. Okay? But what was his bed? It was probably a little mat. He probably had a little mat that was rolled up. And every day, he would be taken to his place. And you know what that mat was? That, that bed for him that was all part of his identity. That was his life. You know, every time he looked over that little scrolled up mat, he knew what the day was going to hold. And Jesus said, if you want to be healed, it's time to cut away those things. 
It's time to start putting out of your life the symbols and the, the things you cling to about the old life. Take up your bed because you're not coming back to this place anymore. Take up your bed because this isn't going to be your life anymore. What happened? Jesus found you. What happened? God came. Jesus got into town. That's what happened. And sometimes you've got to start to look at what's going on around you and start to see some of these things that just are part of, you know what they are? They're symbols of our identity, but sometimes the wrong identity. And it can be hard to sever that because we cling to that. It just, it's affirmation. But you'll never be healed as long as you keep doing that. And you don't want to stay where you are. God's got something better for you than being a porch beggar. Looking around at a whole lot of people just like you and saying, well, this is life. No, no, there's something better. There's something better. Do you have Christ today? Have you found Christ? Have you let him find you? Have you received Christ today? You know, everything, everything starts by you and Jesus meeting doesn't start through religion. It doesn't start through church. Church will help you. But it's always been about a relationship. You, you knowing Christ and Christ knowing you. And have you done that? Are you certain of that? Have you found Christ? If you, if you haven't found Christ, this is a moment for you. It's not accidental that you'd find yourself in church today. It's not accidental that, that you're, you're feeling things inside of you today. That's the working of the Spirit of God. And maybe you're already, maybe you're already a, a believer, but, but, but somehow you've really bought into another narrative. And you know why you need to break that cycle? Because it's not good for you, but it's also not good for your children. I've always believed in a God who was bigger than my upbringing. I've always believed that my children didn't have to just repeat the pattern, that the Lord could do something better for us. I've always believed that my kids needed to take responsibility for their actions. And even if they had certain handicaps or uh, even certain struggles, we went through some things that maybe not every kid went through, that that wasn't a reason to do your best and to, to rise to the challenge. I hope you'll grab hold of this this morning and I hope more than that, you'll let God grab hold of you. Yeah, God, how are you? Let's have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Pastor, uh, thank you. God bless you.